Well, good morning. I want to say uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of our services. Those of you who are watching online, those who are at our campuses at Mill Creek and Lanier, we are one church. We have three locations. And if you're not attending any of those, go to our website and check us out. Go to the one that's nearest to you. We would love to have you be a part of what we're doing. It's a beautiful, beautiful summer day. And uh, I want to begin by, you know, giving you a thought. You know, if we live in a country where really opportunity is unbelievable and you can become rich if you really, really want to and are willing to make the biggest sacrifices a lot of people are willing to make. You can become famous. And, you know, one of the th ways that you can become famous and, and really change history is you can become a great military leader. You could become uh, maybe a revolutionary political figure like the President of the United States or invent something like the iPhone or the computer or the iPad or whatever, and you just can not only be famous, you can change history. But if you want to become not famous for changing history, you'd like to become infamous for changing history, here's a way to do it. Become friends with someone that's very influential and then stab them in the back and betray them. You'll become famous. Think Julius Caesar and Marcus Brutus. Think George Washington and Benedict Arnold. Think Jesus Christ and Judas Iscariot. I, I, I've learned in my life, and I'm about to really hit some nerves right now, that there is no hurt like the betrayal of a trusted friend. Someone that loves you. Someone you thought you could go to war with and they'd never, ever leave you in the foxhole, but they did. I have seen in my own ministry the devastation of an unfaithful spouse. I personally felt the pain of being stabbed in the back by someone that I thought was a trusted friend. You see, it's one thing to be deceived by an enemy. It's another thing to be disappointed by a friend. And you can handle rejection by someone that hates you. But boy, to be betrayed by somebody that you thought loved you, to be betrayed by someone that you thought had your best interest at heart, to be betrayed by someone that you totally trusted, that's another difference. Because what that can do, it can destroy your self-esteem, it can absolutely devastate your ability to ever trust anybody again. And it can even just kill your willingness to ever, ever engage in a close personal relationship. Because when you, when you love someone and you trust someone and you say to yourself, I'm with this person through thick or thin, and then they turn the tables on you and they jerk the rug out from under you and they leave you holding the bag and they leave you holding the short end of the stick. There's just no emotional devastation like that. We've been in a series we've been calling Playlist and a Playlist, as you know, is a digital collection of songs that you can listen to anytime in any genre that you want to. I would dare say most of you, if you like me and you have a, uh, you know, an iPhone or, or an Android or a smart pad or whatever it is that you use, you have a playlist. I've got music on my, uh, on my particular uh, device. I've got country music. I, I've got classical music. I've got pop music. I've got all kinds of things. I've got worship music I can call up and listen to basically any time I want to. 
because there's a real message in music, and God knows that. So God left behind for us a playlist of songs, his favorite songs in the Bible, and they're called Psalms. You may not have known this, but Psalms were songs. 3,000 years ago, you didn't just read a psalm, you listened to a psalm. It was actually put to music. Well, these psalms, these songs cover almost every situation and almost every human emotion you can imagine. And so as we kind of wrap up this series today, we're going to close with a very, very interesting psalm that was written by a king who's actually going through the storm of betrayal. And, and if you're one of those people and, and, and you're like me and you can remember, and maybe I've drudged up some bad feelings right now, or maybe I didn't have to drudge them up. Maybe you live with them every single day. You still haven't gotten over the, the way your spouse walked out on you and left you for someone younger or someone richer or someone they thought was better. You've never gotten over the rejection by a mom and a dad who favored the older brother or the younger sister over you. Or you've never gotten over yet, or you're living with the rejection of a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter who's left home and now they have nothing to do with you whatsoever or you're still living with the rejection of someone that you thought was your very best friend and now they won't even return a phone call, then this psalm is for you. If you brought a copy of God's Word or you want to look on on a device, we're going to be in the 55th psalm, Psalm 55. Psalm is a book that's right in the middle of your Bible if you want to look on in a Bible. And let me just kind of set this up for you. It's really obvious when you begin to listen to this song that, that David penned in these sad lyrics, David is at an emotional code red. His stress level is at DEFCON 1. As a matter of fact, modern, a modern psychiatrist, if they, were, if they had David on the couch today, a therapist would say, David, you're going through an acute a very acute, a very strong, a very um, intense anxiety attack. I know people who deal with anxiety attacks. That's what David is going through. Now, the problem is this. David is still carrying the error of betrayal by a close friend in his heart. Now, we don't know who this close friend was. There are different scholars that give different guesses. And frankly, after doing my study, I don't really know who he's talking about. But whoever he's talking about, he thought it was a BFF. He thought it was a best friend forever. But the experience that moved David to write this song tells us this person that he thought was just like that really wasn't like that at all. And so he describes what happens in these verses. He said, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. We can take that. If somebody betrays us that we don't like, no big deal, or they don't like us. If a foe were rising against, against me, I could hide. But it's you. We don't know who it is, but it's a, a buddy. It's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Now, this is amazing. David is at the very height of his power. I mean, the nation was prospering like never before. David was living in absolute, un, I mean, uncomparable, incomparable luxury. His military power is unquestioned. Nobody's going to take Israel on. He's absolutely secure. Peace is everywhere. Prosperity is everywhere. And yet, even though he's got all of this going for him, the betrayal of one friend has turned his world upside down. He is in a spiritual, emotional funk because one buddy turned his back on him. And you know this. Some of you are saying right now, buddy, this message is for me. 
because there's no greater human heartache like, and I mean, you know, relationally speaking, there's no greater human heartache than when someone that you love, someone that you trust, someone that you've opened yourself up to, someone you've said things to you would never tell anyone else takes your legs out from under you and sucks the air right out of you by rejecting you and betraying you. And there are a lot of us, I promise you, you're sitting there going, I am there right now. I've been living with this for years. And you get up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it because there's nothing like having someone going from having your back to sticking a knife in it. Some of you right now are going, man, I don't even know if I can even deal with this or not. Well, listen carefully. David wrote this song for you. David is saying, you know, I've been exactly where you are. I do know exactly how you feel. And David wrote this song, and it's a beautiful song. David wrote this song to teach us how to make sure that the crime of betrayal, listen now, that the crime of someone else's betrayal does not become the prison of our bitterness. There's some of you right now what someone did to you years ago, how someone hurt you years ago, you live with it every day. They don't live with it. They don't even think about it. You're not even on their radar screen, but you live with it every single day. So if you're living in a hurt of heartache, Maybe it came from your parents. Maybe it came from your children. Maybe it came from a former spouse. Maybe it came from one of your best friends at one time, and you don't believe you can ever get over it and you can never get through it. David says, I did and you can, and he gives us some steps in this sweet, sad song, and it is sad, but it is strong, and it is sweet because David did come out the other side. There's some of you right now you think, you just don't know how bad this person hurt me. You don't know how much this person ruined my life. You just don't know the devastation I've been in. You don't know the pit that I've been in. You know what? I probably don't. But David did and God does. And David said, I got through it. You can get through it. I got over it. You can get over it. And David said, here's how you can do it. So I'm going to encourage you to do two things. I normally don't do this. I'm going to encourage you to write down these things for two reasons. Number one, many of you need it yourself. Number two, you may need it later. But number three, you may know someone right now. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe there's someone you work with. Maybe it's a next-door neighbor. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a friend of yours. They've gone through a divorce. They've gone through a separation. They've gone through betrayal or whatever. They need to hear this. So I want you to listen to what David said we all need to do if we're swimming in a pool of hurt and heartache and we just can't seem to get over it. We just can't seem to get through it. David said, here's what you need to do. Number one, tell your hurt to God. Tell your hurt to God. Now listen to what David says in verses one and two. He starts off by reading, listen, Raddy, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Now, this is a guy that's desperate. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught. David said, I am so torn up over what's happened to me. I am so devastated by what this person's done to me. I can't even think straight. And when I do think, my thinking gets me deeper in trouble. I can't get my mind off how hurt I am. And the more he thinks about it, the more he hurts. As a matter of fact, listen to how bad things David, David at least thinks they are and says they are. He says this in verse 7. He says, if I could, now listen to this, 
I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Now, David said, I'm a king. I live in luxury 24-7. I got servants at my beck and call. I can have anything I want. And yet David said, I would willingly give up my throne, my kingdom, my power, and my wealth. I'd give it all up right now if I could just get away from the hurt, if I could just get away from the heartache, if I could just get one night's good sleep without thinking about what this person has done to me. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Maybe tomorrow you will be there. Because we just read the source of his heartache was someone he's called his close friend. As a matter of fact, you know what he says about this guy? Whoever this person was, he said, we used to go to church together. We used to sit on the same seat every Sunday. We used to listen to the same sermons. We used to sing together. We used to go out to lunch after church together. We shared each other's deepest secrets. Nobody was as close to me as was. He was my close friend. And he says, the pain is unbearable. The hurt and the heartache, they're just crushing. So he goes on to say this. He says, my heart is in anguish within me. The tears of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Now think about it. This is not just a king. This is the giant killer. This is the guy that took on a guy that was nine feet six inches tall, weighed over 400 pounds, and kills him with one rock. And yet the man who killed a giant in his tracks, a giant couldn't touch him, but one man could devastate him. One man could turn his world upside down. The great British preacher Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, listen to this. He said, no one is such a real enemy as a false friend. No one is such a real enemy as a false friend. So what does David do? He does the best thing you can do. He does the wisest thing you can do. Whenever somebody's deeply hurt you and, we, and, and you've been bitterly betrayed, you know what he does? And this is something you may need to do. He vents. And it's okay to vent. I mean, he lets it all out. Because let me tell you this. The worst thing you can ever do when somebody hurts you, listen carefully, some of you need to hear this. The worst thing you can ever, ever do when somebody hurts you is to harbor that hurt. And let me tell you why. Harbored hurt becomes burdened bitterness. Every time. That is a rule that we're, and I promise you, you never break that law. Harbored hurt becomes burdened bitterness. By the way, you think, well, I can't talk to anybody. I, I don't have anybody to talk to because nobody really understands what I'm going through. Well, David says, no, you're wrong. You can always talk to God. I mean, you can always talk to God. You may think, well, nobody will understand. Well, God always understands. I mean, there's a great drill of truth in, in, in the saying that a trouble shared is a troubled half. That's true. A trouble shared is a troubled half. You should never harbor your hurt. You should never hide your heartache. That just makes things worse. And so David said, you know what I learned when I was going through my difficult times? You can always go to God with any trouble, any pain, any heartache. Let me tell you why. This is, this is why God is such a great God. Number one, he's always available. Don't have to make an appointment. Number two, he completely understands. He'll never say, you know, I don't know what you're going through. He can be totally trusted. He's not going to tell anybody else. He can always help. 
He never charges a fee. His sessions are free. And listen to this. He will listen to you as long as you want to talk. I read the other day, I love this story. There was a very religious man, very religious. And he lived next door to an atheist. Well, the religious man, he prayed all the time. He, he would talk to God while he was mowing his lawn. He would talk to God while he was cleaning his gutters. He would talk to God while he was painting his, his, his garage. He would talk to God while he was washing his car. I mean, he prayed to God all the time. He talked to God nonstop about almost everything. Didn't matter whether it was big, didn't matter if it was small. He made sure that if there was something on his mind, God heard about it. He never missed going to church. I mean, he was always there every time the door was open. Yet on the other hand, this atheist who lived next door to him, he never went to church. He never gave God a second thought. He never thought about God much, much less pray to God. Well, here's the problem. The atheist, he had a great life. His, he had a beautiful, beautiful wife. He had a well-paying job. He had handsome children. On the other hand, the religious man's life was a hard life. His wages were very low. He didn't make very much money. His wife wasn't much to look at, to be honest with you. And, and his children were just rebel rousers. Well, one day this guy was praying to the Lord and, and finally he just decided he'd had all he could take. His anger got the best of him. He just decided to vent. So he looks up to God and he says, oh God, he said, I talk to you every day. I'll tell you every problem I have. I ask your advice over every decision. I confess to you my every sin. I speak to you almost nonstop. And yet I've got a neighbor over here. He doesn't even believe in you. Never says a word to you. And yet he seems blessed with every single happiness. God, why is this? And this booming voice came back and said, because he doesn't bother me all the time. Now, listen, listen. You never bother God. You never bother God. You know what? I think the only thing that bothers God is when we think we bother God. You never bother God. He is always available. Listen, his shoulders are big enough to hold our hurt. His ears are sharp enough to hear our hurt. His hands are strong enough to handle our hurt. So first thing you need to do, tell your hurt to God. Empty your clip. Number two, tune your heart to God. Tune your heart to God. Turn your heart to God. Tune, or, or turn your, or tell your heart to God. Tune your heart to God. Let me tell you why this is so important because this is where some of you are living right now. When somebody hurts you, somebody betrays you, somebody deceives you, somebody stabs you in the back, they jerk the rug out from under you, they throw you under the bus, they leave you holding the bag, you're, you're left holding the short end of the stick. I want you to remember this. When that happens, your heart is like a tuning fork. And it's going to be tuned one of two ways. Either you're going to allow that hurt and that heartache to tune your heart to the person that betrayed you and the person that caused your bitterness, or you can make a choice. You can say, you know what? I'm, going to not, I'm not going to tune my heart to that heartache. I'm not going to tune my heart to the one that hurt me. I'm going to tune my heart to the God that I know that loves me. Because listen to what David goes on to say. He said, as for me... I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Now listen to what David said. 
David said, you know what? I know this man hurt me. I know this lady hurt me. I know this person hurt me. And Lord, you know how hurt I am. But I'll tell you this. When I turn my eyes to you, this is what I see. I see a savior. I see a listener. I see a rescuer. I see a ruler. Now, if God is a savior, that means he can save you from anything that anybody does to you. If God is a listener, that means you've always got someone you can talk to. If God is a rescuer, that means he can always enable you to overcome any negative consequences that may happen to you because somebody hurt you and somebody betrayed you. And if God is a ruler, that means he can take anything bad that somebody causes to come into your life and some way, somehow, God can turn it into good for you. And listen to what David said. He said, Lord, I cry out to you in the morning. I cry out to you at noon. I cry out to you in the evening. And that was simply the Hebrew way of saying that he did it 24-7. So here's the point. When somebody hurts you, somebody betrays you, somebody puts a knife in your back, somebody throws you under the bus, you can do one of two things. You can sit around and you can just stew uh, about what they've done to you and you can just you know, think about it and you can just brood over it. So you can either stew over what they've done to you or you can pursue the God who can take care of you. But David said, you're gonna do one or the other and you've gotta do it consistently and you've gotta do it persistently. Every time that person comes into your mind, that's a sign to you to turn your attention over to God because when we begin to think about the way that God saves us and God listens to us and God rules over us and God rescues us, then God can deliver us from the poison of unforgiveness and the prison of bitterness because here's what's gonna happen. You will never forgive like God until your heart is tuned to God. And the way your heart is tuned to God is by focusing on the God that loves you, not on the person who hurt you. So number one, you tell your hurt to God. Number two, tune your heart to God. Number three, trust your healing to God. You say, oh, I'll never get over this. You won't if you choose not to. I promise you that. No, you'll never get over it. Oh, I, I can never get through this. you right if you choose not to get through. I'll never forget what they've done for me. I'll never forgive them for what they've done to me. Exactly right. If you choose not to forgive and if you choose not to forget. But you may come to a point you say, you know what? This is not getting me anywhere. This really isn't working out for me. I'm going to trust my healing to God. Now, watch what David does. David does something we all have to do. Let me tell you something. There have been times in my life, what I'm about to tell you, I've had to do it. Don't think pastors are immune to hurt. Trust me on that. Pastors get hurt like everybody else. Pastors get disappointed like everybody else. See, I, I go through things in churches you don't have to ever go through. You don't have to go through the experience of pastoring someone for 20 years and they leave your church and never even say goodbye and never even tell you why they left. And then you see them in a restaurant and they'll turn their back and go the other way and you have no clue what the issue is. None, zero. You don't think that hurts? And that's just one little microcosm. I'm with you. I, I, I get it. I understand. And David does something that we all have to do if we're going to come to grips with the hurt and the heartache that someone near to us and dear to us has done to us. Because what David is about to do is just the opposite of what we tend to do. Because there's what we tend to do. And you know this is true. If someone really hurts us, 
or someone really betrays us, we get obsessed with them. So we start following them on Facebook. And we start looking at them through the lens of Instagram photos. And we'll read their Twitter feed because we want to know, are they really happy without me? Are they, are they really happy even though they've done this to me? Or, 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 or have they been affected by what they have done to me? And we almost get obsessed with hoping they're hurting like we are. You know, we'll read about them hoping something bad happened to them. And instead of what we need to do is this. We need to start looking at them through the eyes of God. We need to look, start looking at them through the eyes of our Heavenly Father and realize, you know what happens a lot of times in these situations? When somebody hurts you, and I bet you've never thought about this before. When somebody hurts you, jerks the rug out of you, sticks a knife in your back, leaves you holding the bag, God did you a favor. What do you mean? God just revealed to them the person they really were. God just said to you, you know the person you thought they were? They're not the person that you thought they were. Because listen to what David goes on to say about this close friend. He says, my companion... He attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, and yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. David said, you know what? God turned the light on for me. He saw his former friend now for what his former friend really was. Who was his former friend of his? He was a backstabber. He was a gossip. David wasn't the only one he betrayed. He betrayed his other friends. And by the way, let me give you a little kind of little heads up. If you're buddies or you're close friends with somebody and they spend a lot of time talking down about somebody else or other people, can I give you a little clue? They'll do the same thing about you. If they spend a lot of time sticking a knife in someone else's back, they'll stick a knife in yours. That's why I don't, I'm just being honest, I don't hang around critical people I don't hang around negative people. It may be even that their criticism is valid, but you all know them. I've been around enough to know. You hang around someone, if they're always critical and they're always negative and they're always down on this person or that person, one of the reasons, I promise you, they'll be that way about you. And he realized, you know what? This so-called friend of mine, he broke promises and didn't keep them. He talked one way to your face, and he talked another way behind your back. Matter of fact, let me give you a little. Let me give you a little, little. This is kind of a Benjamin Franklin little wisdom, little nugget here. Okay. A true friend. Now listen. This is some of you've never heard this before. A true friend will praise you, but he will never flatter you. So what? A true friend will praise you. He will never flatter you. You say, okay, I, what, what is the difference? Here's the difference. Flattery is what someone will say to your face, but they will never say behind your back. Praise is what someone, what someone will say about you behind your back, whether they will say it to your face or not. There's a big difference. I don't, I don't have a, t a lot of time, and I can tell the difference. I don't have a lot of time with flattery. Because real friends don't flatter you. Real friends will praise you. They will not flatter you. And David is finally coming to grips with the fact, you know what? This friend was never a true friend. My, my ex-spouse really was never the spouse that I should have had or that I deserved. And, and David finally woke up and said, this guy's not worth my bitterness. 
And so David now realizes, you ready for this? David says, you know what? It is time to leave behind the person that left me behind. It's time to leave behind the person that left me behind. And listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this next statement because this is where some of you are living right now and I'm trying to help you. You ready? When you can't leave your past to God, you cannot enjoy the present nor can you focus on the future. When you can't leave your past to God, you cannot enjoy the present, nor can you focus on the future. One of the, I think, great men of the 20th century was a man you've heard of. His name was Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela led the movement that eventually ended apartheid in South Africa. Well, during his fight for equality, some people he thought were his friends really weren't his friends. And in three three years' time, he was arrested for treason. He was put on trial for sabotage. He was sentenced to life in prison. I want you to listen to this. He did hard labor. He slept on a hard floor in a cell with no toilet. He was allowed one visitor once a year for 30 minutes. Think about that. He was allowed one visitor a year, one time, for 30 minutes. After he got out of prison, He spent several years in house arrest, so he was in prison for a total time of 27 years, all because of some people he thought loved him and trusted him betrayed him. When Nelson Mandela got out of prison in 1990, he said this, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew If I did not leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still and forever be in prison. Now, you may think you can never, ever climb over the mountain of that hurt. You may think you'll never get through the storm of that heartache. But you can if you'll simply start saying this one thing that David said to God. But as for me, I trust in you. But as for me, I trust in you. You know what, Lord? I'm going to trust you with what that spouse did to me. I'm going to trust you with what that friend did to me. I'm going to trust you with what my parent did to me. I'm going to trust you with what my business partner did to me. You can take every hurt and every hurter, and you can trust God to heal the hurt and deal with the hurter. Did you hear what I just said? You can take every hurt and every hurter, and you can trust God to heal that hurt and deal with with the herder. And that's the only way you'll ever be free from the prison of bitterness, not that they built, but that you built. If you do those three things, then there's one last thing that you will do. And that is you tie your hope to God. You tie your hope to God. Now listen, let me just say this. I understand that betrayal feels like a death. I understand that. I know what it's like to have friends that at one time you thought would have preached your funeral and they barely speak to you anymore and you don't even know why. Friends that used to call on a regular basis but then you finally realize, you know, this is a one-way street. They never call me. And I I understand that. And, and, And in one sense, you know what? It is like a death because a relationship may be totally over but it doesn't mean that your life is over. And you need to cut the cord that you had tied to that relationship that you thought would last forever, but it didn't. And the reason why you need to finally cut the cord in the relationship that you thought would never end, but it did, 
And so you can tie your, your hope to a relationship that will never end. And that's why David says this in verse 22. He said, the bottom line is, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Never. See, in other words, David said, here's what I finally learned. The very best friend you think you have in your world right now may well fail you, but God will never fail you. The best friend you think you have in the world, he or she may turn their back on you, but God will never turn his back on you. I mean, ever. So when you've been knocked flat on your back by a blow that you never saw coming from someone you never thought would deliver it, remember, David says, you can take it and you can make it. You can stand up. David says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. But then David says, listen, not only when you get a blow that you didn't see coming from someone you never thought would deliver it, not only can you stand up, you can stay up. He said, he will never let the righteous be shaken. Because of the love of God, because of the hope that we have in God, listen, you may be temporarily down, but you're never permanently out. You may be temporarily down, you are never permanently out. Hurt is the hallway to hope because in the end, David said, I am living proof. God can turn the sadness of betrayal into a song of blessing. We would not have that song. We would not have the 55th Psalm if some great friend had not betrayed this great king. So, I'm going to give you an assignment. Okay, this, I'm going to give you some homework. As I was working on this message several weeks ago, I was in my study and I put my pen down and I put my legal pad down. I got to thinking, Lord, this is going to be a gut-wrenching, heart-rending, soul-tearing message for some people going to hear this when I preach it. And there's nothing I can do about that. Because surgery is painful. Taking a tumor of bitterness out is not easy. Listening to a sermon like this, I understand, is not, I mean, it's very hard. I, I, I really do understand this. But I'm going to ask you today to do something that Satan does not want you to do. I'm going to ask you today to allow God today to drain your heart of that hurt and to fill your heart with hope. Now, I'm not making a political statement when I say this, but our president keeps talking about draining the swamp. Now, everybody's got their opinion on how good of a job he's doing. I know one thing he's learned, it's a big swamp. But I'm not speaking politically, I'm speaking spiritually. There's some of you right now, your life's never going to be what it was meant to be. You're never going to enjoy life the way you were meant to enjoy life. You're never going to have the joy of walking with God the way you were meant to have a joy of walking with God if you don't drain your personal swamp. And you can do that. And you can do that today. So, I'm going to give you an assignment. Maybe you don't want to talk about this to anybody. That's fine. That's okay. You say, I, I, I just don't want to do that. All right? That's all right. Here's what I want you to do. And if, you, if I'm talking to you, you know I'm talking to you. 
When you get home today, now don't put this off. Please don't put this off. When you get home today after lunch, I want you to go get a loan, go get a sheet of paper, and I want you to write down in a private letter to God everything you're feeling. Don't hold back. I mean, don't hold back. You write down everything. I want you to empty your soul. God's big enough. He can handle it. He's heard it all before. You're not going to shock him. You're not going to surprise him. You're not going to say anything to him he can't handle. I want you to write down every single feeling. I'm talking about the anger and the anguish. I'm talking about the bitterness and the burden. I'm talking about the pain and the perplexity. Here's what I want you to do. When you have finished writing that letter, I want you to fold it up, and I want you to hold it up. And I want you to say, God, today, I release all of this to you. I give all of this to you. I have carried the burden of bitterness long enough. I have carried the pain and hurt and heartache long enough. Now I'm giving it all to you. And then burn it, throw it in the trash can, whatever it is, but you leave everything to him. And you ask him this when you get through. Now, God, I'm just asking you to do two things. Heal the hurt that I've been carrying, and you deal with the one that hurt me. Because I'm not in that business. That's not my job. That's not my role. Now, let me just close with this. In case you really doubt that God does understand your betrayal, can I just remind you that he went through the greatest betrayal twice in two different gardens? If you don't remember, let me refresh your memory. In the Garden of Eden, <laughs> the dew was still wet on the grass of creation when two people he created betrayed him. Because that's what happened in the Garden of Eden, in case you don't understand. It wasn't just that a little bite of an apple or a piece of fruit, whatever it was. It wasn't just that somebody took a bite out of an apple. The bite in that fruit was a knife in God's back. The bite in that apple was a betrayal of God's heart. The bite of that fruit was a rejection of the only thing that God asked from the two people he created. So our Heavenly Father says, I know what it is to be betrayed. I know what it is to be lied to. I know what it is to be deceived. I know what it is to be rejected. And then you just go back 2,000 years in a garden of Gethsemane. And that grass was still wet from the blood drops of sweat from the brow of the Son of God. When one that he thought was his friend betrayed him for the price of two bags of groceries. And 11 men he gave his life to for three solid years ran like scalded dogs at the moment he needed them the most. And God the Son says, I know exactly how you feel. I know what it's like when everybody runs out on you. Single mom, yeah, I know what it's like when you're not just left holding the bag, you're left hanging on a cross. 
I, I know what it's like. When the men you thought would go with you to the very end, when you needed them the most, all you saw was their backside. I have been there. But you know what? Out of those betrayals came a savior, a rescuer, and a ruler who died on a cross and came back from the grave so that he can take any betrayal that we go through and he can turn it into a blessing. Amen. Let's pray together.